Welcome to Quarter of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world, the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you from the quarantine houses here on a wonderful Thursday, April 16th. A bunch to get to tonight. A full docket is planned. Uh, a whole bunch of things going on with Major League Soccer. They came out with a, uh, a general statement on their return to play. We're going to talk about that. Uh, the L.A. Mayor certainly casting some doubts on some concerts and sports. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, this Development Academy and MLS picking up some slack is certainly a big part of what we're going to talk about. We have a bunch of other fun stuff, including our brackets, getting down to the final two teams that you guys voted for. We're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, and then uh, somewhere in between, uh, a good friend of the show, Lexi Lawless, will be joining us as well. So to help me do all of that, he's back in the house. Uh, it's Eric, the Portuguese Hammer. Eric, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. Happy to be back again. Uh, are you holding up in quarantine? I am. I am so far surviving. So far surviving. Um, although it is getting harder and harder. Like there are things I, I have to get out of the house a little more now. It's it's like one of those things constantly. I'm like, OK, time to go for a walk. Got to get doing something. Have to have to at least, you know, smell the fresh air more than just walking to the to the mailbox. So it's starting to get a little bit worse. But we're, we're hanging in. How about you? Yeah, same thing. I've kind of noticed that more people are out and about. <laughs> I think I've seen more people walking the neighborhood now than I had since the entire time I've lived here. So it's just interesting how people are handling, uh, you know, the stay at home order. So, you know, it's still important to stay home, but I think people are, are start, we're getting to that point where it's starting to, people are, are having that need, that compulsion, uh, like you said, to need to get outside, get, get a little bit of fresh air, a little bit of interaction. Yeah, it, it certainly seems that way. Oh, well, uh, it was a, uh, a busy week for Major League Soccer, um, at least in terms of, you know, getting some information about something that everybody knew was coming, Eric. Uh, everybody ex- expected that the, the league wasn't going to start playing on May 10th as they had once hoped. Um, and so they came out with a statement basically saying, listen, we know it's not May 10th. Uh, we know it's probably somewhere down the road. We don't know when that is. We don't know what, exactly what that means, but it's not going to be May 10th. And so we're going to push it off a little bit uh, further, which for, for a league that so far, um, Eric has been putting out, you know, date by date um, and sort of, you know, saying this is we're going to go until this time and then we're going to then we're going to give it up. We're going to go into this time and then, you know, we'll put out another release. Uh, this one's a lot more open ended than anything uh, that they put out in, in front of us before. Let me read just a little bit of it. Uh, it says Major League Soccer continues to regularly evaluate the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, including how it will affect our plans for the 2020 season. Although we hope to return to play in mid-May, that is extremely unlikely based on the guidance of federal and local public health authorities. Our goal remains to play as many games as possible. And while we currently have enough dates to play the entire season, we recognize at this time that it may become difficult to do so. So uh, that's the the meat of the, uh, the argument there, uh, Eric, but in my mind, this is sort of their first white flag in terms of saying, you know, that 34 game season we kept promising you we could do. Um, yeah, it's starting to slip away from us. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is that they said it's extremely unlikely. Those are kind of the, the key words that, that jump out at me. And so while you said, I think this is without setting an end date, you know, all the previous statements before were, you know, setting a dip, this date we're planning to come back. Now it's first it was, you know, End of end of April. Now it's the nose May, and so now this one because it doesn't have an end date, uh, it lets you know that okay they're going to play it by ear and see where it lands. But to me, it doesn't. While it says extremely unlikely, it's almost like they 
still have a little bit of stubbornness, not quite conceding that 34 yet. They're still saying it's unlikely, but they're not saying it's impossible or that it's completely out the window. So that's the interesting thing to me. I know technically, you, you know, you, uh, they didn't, didn't over till the fat lady sings. So you can't, you know, say you're officially back until you have all the official guidance and governors gives the okay and mayors give the okay and the public health specialists all, all give the okay. So you can't say that until that's official. But at the same time, there are certain, there's a certain point where you have to just use common sense and say, okay, this is a date where we can't be back by this date uh, and we can't play a full 34 games. There's, I think we're past that point where they can say that and they still haven't said that yet. Yeah, it's a, it's getting really uh, close. It was interesting. I was sort of, you know, talking to it. You, you read this, and again, this sort of concession of the 34-game season, and maybe it doesn't happen, um, but I did start to sort of talk and, and figure out, listen, the, the rumors sort of circulating is that June is going to be sort of an important month for uh, Major League Soccer, and there's a possibility that uh, with a whole bunch of games being played and, and an extended sort of end of the season, that June could possibly still see close to 34 games, even if they get into to, to that um, with the country somewhat getting ready to open back up, uh, you know, May 1st, things seem like they're going to start uh, opening up a little bit further. Um, and we're going to have to see what sort of repercussions we have because of that. But with things starting to sort of open up May 1st, there could be a call for teams to start uh, getting back together with testing. Uh, and understand that they're going to start training. And if they start training in May, then possibly June is that date. And uh, listen, I'm I'm not going to tell you that that means, Eric, that you and I are going to be back in a stadium anytime soon, because I certainly think that for the large portion of the 2020 season, uh, unless it extends, you know, into possibly 2021, um, it, it looks like there's not going to be any fans in the, in the seats. Um, that's that's more my opinion than talking to anybody. But June still seems to sort of be that important uh, sort of part to play there. Um, the other part of this is that, you know, we're we're sort of teetering on whether or not uh, MLS clubs, Eric, should even play in empty stadiums. And I think the general understanding is that they would like to, um, but it certainly takes a whole bunch away from, you know, what we're used to and how we follow the LA Galaxy. I know that there's a lot of personal preference about, uh, you know, should we play in empty stadiums or what's lost for that? But at the end of the day, I think it's follow the bottom line, follow follow the money. And that's really what it's all about. It's about those TV contracts that need to be fulfilled. I mean, you see, um, the PGA tour is planning some type of comeback without having any fans on the course, you know, observing right. social, social distancing. Uh, the NBA is talking about their model where they're going to, you know, find some facility, play on multiple courts and then behind closed doors. So I think that whether we like it or not, I think that behind closed doors is going to be the option. And we'll talk about uh, what the mayor of, of Los Angeles said as well. Uh, not looking like we're going to see, you know, fans gathering until 2021. So I think, yeah, we're going to lose something for it. But right now, uh, you know, we're watching marble racing and we're watching, uh, you know, FIFA games. So I think a, a closed door game, people will be happy to see that. That's at least something. And they'll be able to fulfill those TV rights. And so when you talk about uh, the clubs who are going to be strapped for cash and unable to, you know, have that revenue coming in, at least they'll have that TV contract money coming in. So that's the positive. Yeah, it's not the same, but, you know, something is better than nothing. Uh, two two quick points. Uh, number one is I found marble racing from either a Japanese or Korean. Um, two hosts that do an amazing job, and the course is very tricky, and it consists of multiple laps with the marble lift itself. Um, so what one awesome, uh, and uh, and two is uh, the on the FIFA front. 
Uh, Eric and I have been slacking on reviewing our FIFA games and, and doing that, and we think we came up with a plan to get you what you need this weekend, so we're going to work on that and somehow still keep the schedule uh, because right now the Galaxy were supposed to have been on a three-game road trip uh, wrapping up this weekend, uh, and so we will do our best to give you all of that information from the three games that will be played, quote-unquote, this week. Right, right, Eric? We, we think we figured that out? Yeah, I, th- I think we have a plan in place. Uh, you know, you learn as you go. We're all figuring this thing out. And I think after our first few games, we had a, two league games and a, a friendly. And we kind of saw how what worked and what didn't work. So I think that's why we hesitated on knocking out three games in a row. Uh, so I think we have a plan in place that's going to make the people who enjoyed it will still enjoy it. And then maybe those who, uh, you know, were, were critics will, will see some improvement. The other thing that I will add, speaking of marble races, something I saw on Saturday Night Live. There's popcorn popping. Right. You get four kernels, oh. or however many people are in your house. You place the kernels individually on the stove. Whoever pops first, that's your winner. That's the new sport. It's going to be sweeping the nation uh, the rest of the yeah, summer. I, I saw it on your Instagram story. Uh, good job. <laughs> you, you didn't win, so that's all I, I remember. Did not win. Uh, I did not win, but the kids won, and they were happy. That's good. Uh, the L.A. mayor does cast out on uh, on concerts and sports. And this is a weird sort of article just in terms of how the information got disseminated to the public. But it's also probably pretty accurate in terms of uh, what we can expect in Los Angeles. Now, this is the uh, the mayor of Los Angeles. So let's be very clear. The mayor of Los Angeles reigns supreme within the city of Los Angeles. And as I believe uh, everybody's been told multiple times, Eric, uh, the LA Galaxy do not play within the city of Los Angeles. Um, so technically, Mayor Garcetti doesn't get to say anything about uh, where the LA Galaxy play. Having said that, uh, anything that the city of Los Angeles does, the county of Los Angeles is probably going to do. Um, and anything you know that the city of LA does and the city of Carson and the county and all that all works. Um, it's it's likely still going to hold a lot of weight. So uh, you know, while we can dismiss it uh, as sort of a joke, tongue in cheek here, uh, we can also say that it's still probably something that happens within LA County, um, and for that matter, might even funnel down to Orange County as well. So as you're looking at this. Basically, Garcetti said, um, you know, it was going to be difficult for him to see any sort of live sports or large gatherings of people um, without a vaccine in place, um, or at least without much more testing that shows that there's a lot, lot greater herd immunity uh, sort of going on than what we currently believe is going on. So um, having said that, uh, he was talking to a whole bunch of upper level management people and including the fire department and the fire department guy wrote an email to his fire department people. And that's how the LA Times got their information. So it's sort of a little game of telephone. Um, but uh, Garcetti went on CNN on Wednesday and he said, and I quote, it's difficult to imagine us getting together in in the thousands anytime soon. I think we should be prepared for that this year. I think we all we all have never wanted science to work so quickly, but until there's either a vaccine, some sort, some sort pharmaceutical intervention or herd immunity, the science is the science. Um, so really, that's what you're you're getting there as well. So it could be until 2021 um, and possibly into the spring of 2021 when we're looking at vaccines uh, for there to be any sort of large gatherings uh, right now with the L.A. Galaxy or with any sports within, uh, you know, the greater Southern California sphere. Yeah. And that's one of those things where maybe they took that quote and they ran with it. The one thing that he also added in the same interview is that doesn't mean that they can't watch sporting events. So you may still be able to watch sporting events. Uh, just without audiences, you just watch it on TV. Same thing with concerts, you know, working with artists uh, to do their concerts on the internet. So people can still have that connection, but it's just not going to be the large crowds. And so, like you said, 
you know, uh, Eric Garcetti oversees the city of Los Angeles. But if you listen to uh, our governor, Gavin Newsom, his uh, press conferences, he's basically said the same thing, that he doesn't expect um, mass gatherings to to continue this year. You know, he, he seems to be eyeing 2021 for those mass gatherings as well. So it's he's uh, Gar- Garcetti isn't off base. He's not saying anything that's too far off uh, from what uh, Governor Newsom is saying as well. Yeah, which which, again, sort of puts into, um, uh, you know, it's it, it's one of those things um that whenever you look at it, it it puts this all under perspectives um just in just in terms of you know what's really sort of important in this whole thing and how that's going to to sort of hit i mean eric do you have any hope that you're going to be in a stadium anytime within the next 12 months i i have well that's hope and then uh you know do i anticipate it you know i hope i think fall uh, they say weather is a factor and that may be you know the heat is something that uh, you know, maybe the, isn't favorable for the virus. So maybe towards the end of summer, you look into the fall. I know the NFL looks like they're planning to go on as scheduled. Their league is going to be going, obviously. I think once we get back to normal, it's not going to be the normal that was once before. You hear that all the time, the new normal. But I think things are going to be different now, regardless, uh, whether that's your working situation, whether that's your school situation. Things are going to be different now when you go back uh, to whatever it is once, you know, this initial uh, you know, stay at home order clears up. So, um, you know, am I hopeful that I, that I, that this, I could be at an event before the end of the year? I think it's possible. Would I want to be at an event at an event before the end of the year? I don't know that I'd be rushing out, um, you know, to go to a mass gathering, uh, you know, having small children and having, you know, parents who are uh, of the age that might be susceptible to it. I don't know that I'm going to be rushing out to an event, but, uh, you know, I I'd like for the possibility to be there, but I just don't anticipate that being uh, you know, something that's going to be top of my list, uh, once things shake out. Yeah, it's, uh, again, we, I think we quickly adapted to masks and I think we quickly, uh, did everything that we needed to sort of, uh, uh, do. Um, and now, now it's all about, um, sort of seeing how, uh, how we go about and we adjust to quote unquote, like you said, the new normal. But, um, before we get too far out of this, uh, we have our special guests apparently on the phone. We're going to get, at least give it a try. Uh, technology is fun and fickle, um, and we'll use it to the best of our ability, uh, whenever it, it at least works for us. So, uh, he's a former LA galaxy player, also a former LA galaxy president. Uh, but he's always had time for us here at corner of the galaxy. In fact, uh, we consider him a very good friend of the show. Uh, he's currently with Fox sports and they just started doing a show called indoor soccer which i'm sure uh, we can talk to him about uh along with john strong and Stu holden please welcome back to the show and i think it's been a while mr alexi lawless lexi are you there gentlemen i am here in uh in voice and uh, image i hope you can see me uh or we have know, you maybe for some people it wouldn't be great but can you hear me and see me everything good we, we yeah we're all we, good. we got you we see you it, we're a hundred percent what do you know you it worked too and you guys both look phenomenal. Uh, greetings <laughs> from uh, my house. Like everybody else, we we live in interesting times, shall we say? I hope everybody's staying uh, safe and sane out there as we muddle through all of this together. Uncharted territory. I, I think you'd agree with me. And uh, I was listening a little bit about to your conversation earlier, and I wholeheartedly agree in that um, nobody has any answers. Nobody knows how this is going to ultimately shake out. And uh, from an MLS perspective it's not happening. Uh, season's not happening, certainly not in the traditional way, um, in any way, whether it's the actual amount of games or the, uh, the way that it, that it is, uh, is viewed from a spectator perspective. So 
look, uh, we're going to throw a bunch of stuff out there, and I think everything's on the table, and hopefully there's some creative people out there that can come up some, with some interesting and unique and, and ultimately entertaining ways to kind of do some things differently, because that's what this uh, requires. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, how does how do things I imagine if you were like uh, most of the the, uh, the people who actually work in this industry, Alexi, uh, your travel schedule was probably all full. Uh, you were ready to go. You were either had to go places or you know that you had to be on the air and be somewhere. Um, so what was it like whenever suddenly uh, everything was was empty? Yeah, we're grounded. Uh, and I feel like I have to caveat everything that I say when we talk about sports and obviously when we talk about the sport that we love with soccer, that we understand that this pales in comparison to everything else out there. And, you know, this is this is sports we all know are a like to have, not a need to have, but they are a big, big part of our life. And this is, you know, a little escape here when we talk about it. Um you know, having said that, we, we've been grounded, uh, literally grounded from not being able to fly anywhere, but uh, with a recognition that uh, we're going to have to do some things differently. You know, you mentioned indoor soccer. So we're, we're doing some shows and we're doing some different things. You know, the digital component, which was already important, uh, just becomes that much more important right now. We do everything from the house with the internet and all of the challenges that come, uh, that come with that. And, uh, I was talking earlier, you know, we're doing stuff with esports, uh, which was already there, right. but now trying to do some different things, obviously the, the flashback and the historic and the nostalgia type of things that we're doing, the re-airs and those, uh, those types of things. Um, and, you know, and then trying to think and say, well, what is this going to look like if, and when it comes back, you were talking earlier about having games in you know, empty stadiums and, I get that there's a curiosity uh, and an interest in kind of hearing what's going on, but that gets really old and really stark very, very quickly. <laughs> Part of the experience of sports or concerts or anything is that interaction and is that community and is that 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 music and that buzz that comes from something like that. And, you know, that that's not going to be there. Yeah, it's it's again, it's an interesting time. Um, does it does this does this season have an asterisk next to it already? Uh, whenever we look at if there is even an eventual champ, should there even be a championship? I've been sort of arguing that if you're going to be down to a certain number of teams and you're going to be playing in some sort of tournament style and you're playing behind closed doors, I mean, does somebody get to raise an MLS Cup and call that a real MLS Cup, or is it is it good just for the banter? Yeah, it won't be an MLS Cup. Uh, everything will have that caveat or that, that asterisk. It doesn't mean it can't be entertaining. It can't be. It can't be interesting. But whether it's records or games or trophies that people hold up, it's always going to be yeah, but there'll be a lot of yeah, buts. That was 2020, and that was during the pandemic. And that's you know, there's nothing you can do about that. That's why this conversation about we have to finish the season. And I get you know the business aspects of it and broadcast contracts and and all of that, but. I don't want to do anything now that hurts the chances of next season being as traditional as it can be. There's going to be a new normal. We get that. But I don't want asterisks or, or caveats to appear on next season by something that we do right now. And so to your point, you're going to have to do something completely different. And that is going to separate it, separate it for all time in the way that we look at it. But once again, it doesn't necessarily mean it can't be uh, interesting or entertaining in the things that they do. You know, you talk about a World Cup type of thing or a group type of thing or a completely shortened sprint of a season where maybe you just play right. against people in your own conference or whatever it ends up being. And you can have trophies and you can have winners in that type of uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so the, I, I guess it's... Go, uh, go ahead, Eric, I'll let you go. Yeah, so you, you brought it up, you know, World Cup 
style scenario, you know, maybe a sprint with maybe just one conference playing. If Alexi Lawless is named, you know, czar of MLS, it's in your hands. How are we going to finish this shortened season? What method do you think would be uh, entertaining? You know, personally, what do you think would work best? Oh, I think that having a shortened type of sprint where you just play because you're not getting the 34 games in no matter what you do at this point. I know that, you know, commissioner and, and the leagues will say, well, you know, we're pushing it to here and we you know hope, but they don't they don't know. And they're just hoping. So, you know, I say you play a completely shortened season if if it's safe uh, for. And, and this is why the Bundesliga right now is such a test case and a, a guinea pig right now to see right. if it goes well. And, and I'm praying, fingers crossed, that, that you know people are safe and that it goes well. And maybe there's some best practices that come out of it uh, to, to actually have those games behind closed doors in front of in you know in front of in front of nobody there. If you're able to do that and the testing is there to keep people safe. Um, and you're able to do those, those types of games, just a completely limited type of thing where, and, and it's never going to be fair, no matter what we do this year, it's never going to be fair. And so I think right. you have to kind of put that away and say, fine, it's not going to be fair. Some people are going to, you know, be, have advantages and disadvantages going forward, but you're trying to make the best out of a crappy situation. This, this sucks. I tell my kids all the time, you know, I can sit there and I can paint it this and that, you know, I can tell them that they're living through a historic time and they're going to have a great story to tell their kids when their kids are complaining about stuff. But it, it, ultimately it sucks. And I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss that type of feeling that we're all having here. What? You make the best of you can that you can of this crappy situation right now, and it's not going to be fair, but it might be something that that holds some allure and gives people just a a little bit of taste before, from an MLS perspective, before the season is done. You know, I don't know how other leagues around the world turn that corner and finish off the last season and start a whole new season. Right now, we kind of have this strange opportunity that since we start our season uh, MLS wise in February. You right. know, we could do whatever it ends up being this bastardized version of a season in 20 in, in, in 2020 and then kind of start fresh and anew in 21. We have that that potential option, but who even knows if it's going to be ready by then? Yeah, I, I was going to say the other side of that is, um, you know, there's always been and I know everybody's been teasing it, but but and asking the question, if you would have asked me this question earlier, I would have said, no way, it's never happening. But could MLS use this and sort of shift the schedule because of, you know, the fact they've always played off of the European schedule or, you know, at, at the off times of the European schedule? Could they possibly shift this and, and go to a more Europeans type of schedule with, I would imagine, a winter break somewhere in there? Is this the opportunity they're looking for? Well, I'm certainly not a doctor, but I venture to say that that uh, the corona is not changing the weather patterns in uh, <laughs> in, in the United States <laughs> right. or Canada anytime soon. So, you know, I know I'm being a, you know a little facetious there, but well, actually a lot facetious. Facetious, but it, yeah, I mean, theoretically, I don't think that this is what's going to change it. If it was going to change, it was going to change a while ago. They didn't need this to push them over any edge because I don't think that they were at the edge. I just don't see it as as some as a solution to mm -hmm. the crisis that we are that we are in right uh, in right now as a matter of fact it probably for owners and for teams brings up more problems if they were if they were to do that so i i i you know stranger things have happened i don't know but i, I just don't see that happening yeah it sort of seems like it's a, a little bit out. eric you have you have some other questions i know i, I wanted to make sure you got some i time. do i was gonna say we're, we're gonna think for for happier times now so you mentioned some of the nostalgia going around. So I had a, a nostalgic question for you. 
uh, Alexis. So the celebration at Titan Stadium at Cal State Fullerton, in my opinion, that's you know the greatest LA Galaxy goal celebration of all time. If you could just walk us through what was going through your head, were you trying to make it to the top of the hill, you know, or was that just a spur of the moment thing? Yeah, so I didn't start that game, and so I remember I can't remember who I turned to, but I do remember turning to somebody while I was on the bench. Like, if I get in the game, I am definitely going up that hill because <laughs> while while I love spontaneous type of romantic gestures out there, uh, we you know we're in the entertainment business, and so and this wasn't you know a choreographed uh, boy band type of celebration thing. That was a get to the mount, and my. Uh, I, I bit off more than I could chew, and I realized it very quickly once I uh, once I got a couple steps up. And what I thought was just going to be kind of low, hedgy grass or long grass ended up being like kutsu type of level uh, vegetation. That after a few steps, I got about halfway up and said, "Look, this is a, as as far as I'm going to go, and l- we'll let those other guys catch up to me." So yeah, if that's amazing. It, Certainly at the time, we weren't living in the information age that we are right now in the instant type of information age. And so it's amazing to me how many people recognize that and talk talk to me about that. It's because for me, it was a it was a throwaway type of moment and game. Not that I wasn't excited to, to score a goal and all that kind of stuff. But we once again, we didn't have the you know, that thing would have been right on Twitter or right on Instagram immediately and people would have seen it. And but. It still resonates to, to this day, so I, I appreciate that you even brought you even brought it up, and it warms my heart every time I see it, and it gets my heart going too because I I knew that I couldn't I I, I totally blanked uh, Howard Liebesking, our uh, our foot doctor on a high five if you watch me come round in the corner right there because I was bound and determined to get up there, and you know I still to this day people stop me and say hey that Fullerton that Cal State Fullerton thing we had played a lot of games at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say it wasn't even that long ago. Whenever, uh, whenever you look at it, that we that there were still. I was at Cal State Fullerton watching the LA Galaxy play. I think a U.S. Open Cup match of some sort, um, and that, that was probably 2011, maybe even maybe even really? 2012. I mean, it, it yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was certainly within my window, which kind of starts you know 2008, 2009, right in that right in that area. So um, I, I certainly. Uh, remember that as well. Um, just, just sort of looking at that. I, I have to ask, just a general, um, you know, going back to uh, to your management days um, and looking at what everybody is having to put up with right now in terms of um, the uncertainty around transfer windows, the uncertainty around um, just how to build a club in this environment. I mean, is and and the millions and hundreds of millions and possibly up to a billion plus dollars that are being lost overall. I mean. What does this do for Major League Soccer in a transfer window? What does this do for, you know, a team like the LA Galaxy who are trying to rebuild and put some people in positions? Yeah, I'm sure Chris Klein is having some interesting nights right now. And uh, that's his problem. He's got to figure that out. And, you know, he's a smart guy. And uh, I I bet that both he and the Galaxy, the organization and MLS right now are doing what a lot of people are doing in that. Is there an opportunity? Is there an opportunity for the either for the individual teams? or for the league as a collective to kind of do some things in this strange moment and in this strange market to make up some ground that in quote unquote normal times would take a lot longer. Uh, and I know there's a, a, a school of thought out there that if, if MLS owners said, all right, we're going to double down and we're actually going to spend more right now, that they could make that distance up uh, between them and the leagues around the world in, in a much faster fashion. I'm not sure that 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 happens, 
the interesting thing, and I like to hear you guys, uh, you know, someone was asking me about, for example, Miami and uh, Nashville coming in. And they got this little right. peek behind the curtain uh, that nobody else has ever gotten. Because usually as an expansion team, you have the best laid plans. You go in, you get punched on the nose, and you realize, uh-oh, that didn't work. Oh, oh we got we to gotta double down here, or we got to go in a completely different direction here. But you have to do it in real time as the season goes on, and it's game after game. They got that little look. And I think that's it'll it'll ultimately be a little bit of an advantage for them relative to other expansion teams in the same way that the Galaxy and in, in particular Chicharito, who we know is the captain and is going to be so important to this team. They got a little taste of what they are and maybe more importantly, what they aren't right now. And they can kind of go back to the drawing board and figure that out. So in a strange way, it may end up working working better i mean look there's nothing good about this but silver lining type of thing real stretch here but a silver lining type of thing where they said well this is what we thought we were going to be and it's been proven to us even in the short amount of time that we that we were out there that this is what we aren't and this is what we have to do and concentrate on that maybe a couple months ago we were either putting to the side or we didn't even know we had to concentrate on it yeah yeah it makes that makes a lot of sense eric you have uh, any more well, to, to that point, I think, uh, you know, he's absolutely right about Chicharito. Maybe that, you know, replacing Zlatan, no one was ever going to fill those shoes. But maybe you realize that uh, Chicharito on his own wasn't uh, the only the only answer there. And maybe there's a little bit more that they need to add. Uh, so I totally uh, agree with that point. And so I know we've been talking about uh, serious things and serious discussions. I, you know, I brought up the Cal State Fullerton goal, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up as well. So with your coverage, uh, you know, of the European Championships, the World Cups, uh, you know, obviously we're wearing our USA gear, but I also have a Portuguese heritage as well. Uh, so Portuguese Americans are convinced that you hate the Portuguese team. So is that a real thing or is it just every <laughs> fan base of every team thinks you hate them? Because I, I imagine you get a lot of that, too. <laughs> yeah, every every nationality there thinks that I hate because as soon as you say something critical, especially in a World Cup where everybody is watching and there's so many more people that come into the tent. And so for a lot of them, it's the first time that they're experiencing what what I do. Um, immediately, it's because you don't like Portuguese or you don't like Italians or you don't like this or whatever it, en- it ends up being. And and that's the only frame of reference that they have. And so that's what sticks with them uh, forever. And so I'm forever getting uh, getting that. No, I love I love Portuguese players. Um, I love, you know, the, the country of Portugal, I just for the record and all that kind of stuff. I, I really appreciate the, you know, the, the faux denim that you're wearing right there. That is a that is a classic that has only become a classic of late, yeah. because let me tell you, when it first came out, there were a lot of people going, oh, my goodness, what are we uh, what are we doing, including the players when it first came out. So it is it is. Um, it is ripened uh, at like a fine wine, if you will, uh, over over the years. But as far as Portuguese or uh, or any other nationality for that uh, nationality for that matter, I'm an equal opportunity offender when it comes out there. I will criticize and offend pretty much uh, anybody else out there if I deem that it's right and it's and I do believe that it's fair that this person didn't do well or this team didn't do well. But what what ends up happening is they only remember the times that I'm critical. They never remember the times where I'm <laughs> I'm blessing them and telling them how great they are and what a wonderful player or a wonderful game or a wonderful result it was. Yeah, yeah I think you're yeah, in a, you're, not- you're in a you're in a no win situation. No matter what you say, well, I would imagine in every single country probably feels the same way <laughs> the, the you know, about being slighted, but you know, you're just doing your job. So I totally get it. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving the praise and, and giving an answer, being a good sport about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to say, Alexi, I also got the question uh, uh, before we started on here from some of our listeners that, that why does he hate the galaxy so much? Why, why, why is that that? So, I mean, I, and I, anytime I was going to say, you're probably the second uh, most controversial uh, quote unquote hated guest that we have on, which is hysterical because uh, I've known you forever. Uh, and I, I, I always tell everybody, I go, you just, I go, have you ever sat and actually talked to the guy? Just, I know not everybody <laughs> gets that option, but just, just have, yeah. a, have a talk with him. Uh, and do it. The, number one, of course, is uh, one of your former co-hosts, uh, Taylor Twelman. So I just wanted, oh, to, yeah. you know, you. you okay. I, I don't know if you wanted to be on the top of that list, or if you wanted to be number two uh, in that one, or or if you're okay, sort of seating that one to uh, to Taylor. Yeah, I think both of us realize that if you're going to have any type of longevity or success in this in this industry, you got to be okay and comfortable in your skin, and okay with uh, people not agreeing with you, and okay with people. Like the, the last thing I want is that people don't care at all. Um, I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not here to tell you uh, things that you necessarily uh, agree with. You know, when it come when it comes to the galaxy, look, this is the team that will always occupy a fond place in my heart for what happened when the, you know was it was the only team in MLS that I ever had any success with. Um, and it got me an MLS cup and there was a real sense of relief when that happened. It was yes, it was celebration, but for me it was like, Oh, I don't have to worry about that <laughs> anymore. And you know that's and, and that's that's important to players ultimately because it's something you can never take away. You know, and then you know working for the Galaxy and going through the, you know the crazy Beckham years and all that kind of stuff. And just because it ends with you getting fired, it doesn't take take away anything from how important it was and how much it meant to me. I learned so much. I made plenty of mistakes, absolutely, but. I learned so much and had such a great experience, not just with the players, but with the men and women in the front office. And I got to learn how it all functions. So the Galaxy has given me over the years you know, much more than I have ever given it. So, um, you know, when I'm but, you know, I have a job to do. And if <laughs> if if, you know, if Chicharito's on an island up there and they're not using him correctly, I'm going to have to tell you if Zlatan says something stupid and while it might be entertaining, I believe that it's detrimental to whatever it is i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to call the call that out so you know that's that that's part of my job and i we're all humans and so i bring my baggage and bias and and history and there's nothing i can do about that that's just because until there's robots actually doing it as long as there's humans that's what's that's what's going to happen but it's okay it's uh as far as people not liking you or anything like that whatever i got a pretty thick skin and i've been around for a while and get in line <laughs> <laughs> Always good. Well, I, I know you're not traveling, so um, I feel I feel for your wife and your kids. Um, so uh, oh. so hopefully you, you you all survive this and everybody stays uh, healthy and safe, uh, Alexi. But as always, we always appreciate your time and thanks for for coming on, buddy. Thank you guys. It. Thank you guys for what you're doing. As always, it's always a pleasure. And over the years, uh, talking to you guys and and the way that you the way that you talk about it, the love and the passion you have for the game and. I truly believe that this too shall pass and we, we will have better days ahead of us. Maybe they don't look the same, uh, but ultimately there will be soccer in one form or another going forward. You can't keep soccer down. You can't keep sports down. You can't keep humans down. So I believe in, uh, in humankind ultimately, and uh, we'll figure this out together. So, all right, be safe, gentlemen. All right, thanks. Thanks, Alexi. Certainly appreciate it. All right, Alexi Lawless, there he goes. Uh, Eric, that was your first Alexi Lawless interview, uh, whereas I it think this might be moment. my... Yeah, I was going to say this might be my like 30th or something. There's a what so 
I, I was going to tell the story with Alexi on there, but I, I can tell it without him. He knows the story. He was there. Uh, whenever I first got introduced to uh, to Alexi Lawless, um, it was uh, before an LA Galaxy game. Uh, we had a mutual friend in common, uh, a friend who doesn't live here in in uh, in California, but uh, but in uh, in Texas actually, and was out visiting me. And so he's like, "Hey, come on, I'm going to go meet have you meet Alexi." And I may have had before I met Alexi for the first time there. Um, I may have had you know seven or twelve beers. Um, something like that. So somewhere in between those 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 numbers for sure. Um, so I I went up to meet him and I was like, well, everybody hates this guy. So I mean, he must be he must not be nice. And so I went up to meet and it, you know, ever since I think I went up there, I asked him if he would come on the podcast. And this is the podcast in its infancy. Um, at the very beginning, he's like, yeah, absolutely, no problems. Here's my cell. Here's my number. Just just text me, call me, whatever, and we'll we'll get it done. You know that type of thing. And he did. And uh, over the years on this show, he has been a co-host. He has co-hosted full episodes with me uh before whenever uh, we were originally starting it so uh he uh he, he's a good friend of mine um and the whole reason he even came on this show uh was because he texted me just to check in to see how everybody was doing in the family and stuff like that and i said hey i haven't had you on for a while why don't you come on so uh that's that's how it is so he's a great guy i'm glad we could uh, at least talk to him for for a little bit there eric and you got some you got some lawless yeah. love there so you know now I, you know i did i was gonna say I, I, the shirt was not worn in vain so you know it's nice to get a little bit of love for that and then uh, to your point, you know, the, everyone, I think anyone who's going to be have a strong uh, media personality is going to attract, um, you know, some type of, you know, the level of some haters. But I think if you know, if you see what Alexi does, um, you know, I'm kind of guilty of of talking out of both sides of my mouth. Well, it could be this, it could be that. But he definitely doesn't do that. And I think you respect that he has his take, he takes it and he and he runs with it. And then I, I totally respect what he does. And you you it is what it is. He's love him or hate him. He's an important voice uh, in American soccer, and we're fortunate to have him on. For, fortunate to have him uh, a part of the Galaxy family. He mentioned that the Galaxy is always going to have a special place in his heart, and I think that shows through. Yeah, it, it does, and uh, it's he has he again. If you if you ever get a chance to talk to him, talk to him about his time as president of the LA Galaxy and the Beckham years and how crazy that was, and how many and he'll come out and tell you all the mistakes he made and sort of what happened. I mean, it's all interesting stories. Um, but like I said, uh, just great having him on there. All right, let's uh, let's turn the page a little bit here and uh, and move on with a little bit more of the show. And we're gonna skew a little bit here towards U.S. soccer. And I know we talked a little bit about it whenever. Uh, oh, Alexi was on. We normally don't talk about U.S. soccer that much, but the reason that we're going to sort of uh, dive into that and sort of peel back a, a couple layers is uh, that MLS has some some input on this, or at least uh, a quote-unquote solution to some of this. So uh, U.S. soccer uh, just recently, uh, in the last couple of days, uh, killed their development academy. This was the DA. Uh, if you ever heard about the development academy, um, it was put into place some years ago. And I'm by the way, I would like to preface all of this by saying I am not an expert on the on the development. Development Academy. Um, that was never sort of uh, my thing. And if you have younger players who are playing in DA, then then you have a much better working understanding of, of what I do. But I know that the formation of the Development Academy and how it sort of was able to um, take over some of these things, um, when you look at it, uh, it sits there and you have to say, hey, um, you know, it, it was controversial in its, its start. There, Eric, it was controversial in sort of the way 
that it went about things. Um, and now it's controversial in its ending. I mean, um, you know, the whole idea was it was supposed to be the answer to, to year round youth development and, and the coaching was supposed to be better and the competition was supposed to be better. Um, and, and it also in a lot of cases did, had some negative effects, which was certainly around high school age players that they weren't going to be able to play for their high school. In fact, DA almost basically outlawed that, um, just in terms of how much they had to play and, and sort of how they wanted people to focus on the development academy. So, so high school age kids weren't playing for their high school and hammer. I know you're a high school athlete. You played on your high school soccer team. Um, you know, back in the day, you may have actually had, uh, something in here where it, it, you go and you wouldn't have been able to, uh, to, to, to play in, uh, in for your high school, which I'm sure has some great memories for you. Yeah. It's, it's actually funny that you mentioned that, um, you know, during my illustrious high, high school career, when I, uh, rode the bench over at Cerritos high school, but uh, there were some actual players on my team who played at that time. It was, uh, ODP, you know, they, they played, it was that the iteration of uh, the development of academy, but they were playing high school soccer and also playing uh, with those systems. And then I know when I played club soccer, you know, on alternating seasons, and then we played, you know, against, you know, we ran against Landon Donovan's team. And so those are, these are the types of things that you come across. So the development academy is, was one of those things where, you know, was supposed to help player development. But I think we've seen how, you know, U.S. soccer, the Federation has been run in recent years, that maybe, you know, the interests aren't always uh, you know, for player development, you know, it seems like there are maybe other uh, motives behind the decisions of the Federation. And I think this kind of shows that because it's not suspended. It's, you know, it, they shut it down permanently. And so that, that really lets you know that that's something that they're, you know, kind of washing their hands of. And the fact that MLS, and I know we're going to talk about this, kind of stepped in and is going to take that place and, and do some elite uh, you know, leagues throughout the, that, the fact that they were so quick, you know, you could look at it as a blessing that, okay, now with the DA gone, if you didn't like what the Federation was doing, this gives an opportunity for other clubs to kind of have their say, but with MLS stepping in, it's almost like, you know, U.S. soccer, MLS, is it one and the same? So is this really a better thing? Does it restrict, um, you know, player, where they could you know play high school soccer again if that's something that's important to them but it maybe limits their ability to actually latch on to an academy if they do want to play professionally or, or have some route that path is now gone because they're not you know those development academy teams uh are now gone or are not you know looped in with this elite league that you know depending on how mls the mls executives structure it it, it might not be they might not give an opportunity to these players who are playing on these teams yeah, so uh, basically Major League Soccer uh, basically said uh, they put out a press release and says they leads domestic player development with the launch of new elite competition. Basically, this is going to take all of the MLS academies plus all of the DA um, you know, teams that were playing uh, and put them into more elite competitions, both regionally and nationally, and invite in international teams as well into sort of these national tournaments. Um, so that way there is a diversity of, of competition and the level of competition is extremely high. Um, so the MLS academies are sort of picking up where this DA has, has dropped the ball in almost all cases. Um, and they're even looking at possibly evaluating and expanding the participation to include clubs beyond um, the former D development academy. So you're looking at MLS academy teams, DA, T 
teams um, and this, this sort of impossible possibility of inviting more teams into this as they sort of see fit and as they can raise the level of competition. But that's all well and said. And, and most of the time, I know we, we, we speak up about the boys here and, and certainly we had Kevin Hartman on and I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the girls Academy stuff. And I certainly wanted to talk about, you know, NWSL um, and possibly that coming to Los Angeles and whether or not that would have any impact uh, for the LA galaxy. But if you look at the last sentence of this, uh, it says, in addition, MLS is evaluating the potential to provide future competition opportunities for girls as well. So right now, as I'm reading this, it's basically saying this is the boys solution uh, and we don't have a solution for the girls. And maybe quite honestly, maybe they being their major league soccer and they deal on the boys' side of things, maybe they shouldn't have anything to do with opportunities for girls. Uh, maybe that's up to somebody else, but Major League Soccer is in a position to sort of provide that structure. Um, and if they're stepping in for the DA in a lot of ways, you know, why not step in, you know, 100% for all of this as well? Um, you know, I, I think they're focusing. I think MLS is focusing in the right areas, expanding coaching education, improve approach to player identification. Um, you know, they're doing all the things that you would expect them to do, Eric, but they really are trying trying to focus this more on um, on a- academy turning into more of, I think, more of a European style with teams having academies and academies developing players and players, therefore, rising up through their local clubs and local clubs then feeding into a national team. Um, that all makes sense to me. But at, at the same time, you have to feel for anybody who was involved in DA and the fact that the plug has been pulled and we knew it was being pulled uh, probably for the last couple of weeks. Um, but now now it's official. I just, you know, that you mentioned uh, the thought process being, you know, you now want players to go through these MLS club academies. But when you think about it, especially in Southern California, so now there's two MLS clubs in Southern California. And think about all the different clubs that there are, youth clubs in Southern California. So now you're taking this giant pool of talent, Southern California, and saying you only have two options. And it's the two Southern California-based, you know, MLS academies. And that's, that's where I think it's going to be difficult, you know, and that's not even mentioning uh, the opportunities for girls. So uh, as critical as I was, you know, if you want to be critical of this pathway uh, for the, you know, men, this really was a, a viable pathway if, uh, in a girls team or girls wanted to play on these academies and develop and go into the U.S. women's national team. This was the viable option. And with that now being completely gone, it's going to be interesting to see the ripple effects, you know, uh, probably, you know, two or three World Cup cycles uh, move down the line. Uh, it's uh, it, it's all interesting turns again. Um, uh, you know, you would hope, and, and certainly, I think Dennis DeClosa, um, and what they're trying to do with the Boys and Girls Academy. And as we, uh, if you go back, go back and watch our interview with Kevin Hartman because he talks about how he's basically doing both the Boys and the Girls Academy right now. Um, but the academy is is really set up to to be, you know, a, a very good thing for the LA Galaxy going forward. Um, and the fact that this sort of hiccup uh, with the global pandemic is probably impacting that uh, less than other schools because they were already uh, sort of looking at um, at the the distance learning with players who were going to go play, you know, in tournaments all the time. You couldn't have them just sitting in a classroom. Um, so they were already well prepared. So, you know, you think that the LA Galaxy Academy and its multiple levels that it has um, all the way through is in a good position. Um, you would think that that would hopefully funnel Eric more talent into uh, those academies and, and with less places to play. You know, maybe that's an overall bonus for the LA Galaxy. But I think it's an overall negative for for youth development uh, right now, at least until these until we can get an expansion of, you know, really who's involved in these uh, sort of things. But as it looks like right now, at least MLS is picking up 
what U.S. soccer has dropped uh, in terms of hosting the tournaments and having those DA teams, those former DA teams, uh, come into this tournament. So you would hope that there isn't a, a huge loss of, of, of players. So um, anyway, all, all interesting stuff. Uh, it's just, uh, again, not something we normally cover and certainly not in my expertise zone. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it, it's something that I think is at least news at this time, and uh, it could have some real sort of benefits for the LA Galaxy or um, could it lead to some benefits for the LA Galaxy. So it's important to sort of understand uh, the background of how all of this uh, happens. All right, Eric, uh, I know you've been keeping careful track of everything as we've been going along, but our bracket is now down to the final two LA Galaxy teams. You remember we started with 16 LA Galaxy teams. Uh, they were all ranked easily, by the way, by points per game uh, to the 16, which meant the 2005 MLS Cup uh, wasn't even included in the 16-team bracket there. Um, it wasn't even part of it. Uh, and I got I, somebody actually I thought was giving me uh, a crap about that, Eric, on Twitter and said, said, I can't believe 2005 isn't even in this. And I'm like, well, it was based on points per game. And I went into why we would justify it in the whole deal. And then he and then he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, he goes, I think it's amazing because you have, you know, five MLS Cup winners and and the fifth, you know, sort of the one that backed into it probably the most in 2005 doesn't even make the 16. How spoiled are we as LA Galaxy fans was sort of his point. And I got, oh, I got it. I got 100 percent. But Eric, uh, we're down to the final two teams. Uh, it, the final four included all four MLS Cups that were in the tournament, uh, 2012, 2011, 2002 and 2014. So give me uh who the the final two teams are uh, and how close some of that voting was. I was going to say this this was the closest round of voting that we've had. You know, they're pretty much landslides because um, the MLS Cup teams hadn't faced each other. Every team that an MLS Cup winning team went against pretty much ran away with the votes. You know, you saw 90%, 88%, things like that. So this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road and we finally got to see, you know, when you put these teams up against each other, who was going to come out on top. So the closest matchup was between our 2011 and uh, 2014 squad. And 2011 won the match with 56% of the votes. So uh, almost a coin toss there. And I know Dan Gargan did not like the seeding of uh, the 2014 team. He commented on Instagram that he thought we That's were right. drinking a little too much uh, during quarantine. He didn't like that they were ranked sixth. But again, based on points per game. Uh, and I think this may have been the real final. I think... Uh, if you were deciding between 2011 and 2014, this is going to be the team that probably uh, wins the whole thing. But on the other side of the bracket, uh, not as close, but you know, closer than the matches before, 2012 beat the 2002 team. A little bit of a recency bias there. That 2002 team was very good, but the 2012 right. team, when you look at that roster, that's a solid team as well. So in the final, we have a number two 2011 LA Galaxy team versus a number nine 2012 LA Galaxy team. A lot of similarities on the roster, uh, but I think just based on on how the voting has gone up to this point, I, I think 2011 is going to walk away, uh, you know, dubbed the greatest LA Galaxy team ever. Uh, but it was interesting to see how all the different voting panned out for the final four. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I, I have to tell you, uh, my team that I consider the best LA Galaxy team after giving it a lot of thought, uh, 2014 is out. 
Um, you know, I was sort of on Dan Gargan uh, with Dan Gargan there. Um, you know, hearing people talk about that 2014 LA Galaxy team, I, I get it. But you're getting teams, you know, within the dynasty. Um, you know, you start in 2009, 2010. I mean, that 2010 team, quite honestly, if they would have won an MLS Cup, probably wins this yeah. uh, this argument. Um, you know, I, I know that there are people uh, out there who are saying 2010 was the best, but you guys voted. You decided that the best teams for the LA Galaxy had to win an MLS Cup. Uh, that was what you decided. We, we told you you didn't have to be that way. You could have voted 2010 as the best LA Galaxy team. Um, and so, you know, you're down to the final in 2012 and 2011. And I'll tell you right now, um, you know, I think you were right. The 2011-2014 faceoff was probably it um, because 2011 – uh, MLS Cup Supporter Shield, um, the second year in a row that the Supporter Shield was won. Remember, they won it in 2010 and they got bounced by Dallas, which we talked about Kevin Hartman. There's a lot of Hartman talk today. So, yeah, <laughs> go back and watch the Hartman. Uh, or you can go back and watch our Sean Franklin interview we've done. Or you can go back and watch the uh, Edson Buttle interview we did on Monday. I mean, we're racking up the interviews right now is, is what's happening in quarantine. So you can go check all those. But uh, Kevin Hartman uh, was was uh, you know sort of apologizing. He was like, yeah, I remember that Dallas game. Uh, and, you know, that was a that was a that was a bad game for the L.A. Galaxy. I remember walking out of that game. Uh, and it was an interesting time for for L.A. Supporter Shield winners, but not MLS Cup winners. Then 2011 MLS Cup winners, 2012 MLS Cup winners. Um, if the 2011 team and the 2012 team played each other, it probably would end in like a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. And it would probably end up going to the penalty kicks. And, you know, Robbie Keane would be taking them from both sides. Uh, I don't it's kind of funny to think if you if you could simulate those two teams, Eric, how it would both basically be, you know, a lot yeah. of the same players playing against each other. That's what you were saying. Yeah, and, and keep your eyes on the on the website to vote in the finals. Uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, I do do a little write-up on these, even though it does ultimately come down to you clicking and choosing yours. I do a little write-up, and so I did the same thing with 2011 versus 2014. The way I played this out in my head is if, you know, you get in a time machine, you take both teams and you put them on the field together, who comes out victorious? And I think when you look at that 2011 team, I, I dubbed it dominance of the 2011 versus clutch of 2014. I think 2014. You could never count that team out. They were always going to claw back and find a way to be at the right place at the right time, whereas the 2011 team was just going to knock you out and you're going to be done. So uh, it is going to be interesting. I'll do a write-up on these and I'll, I'll highlight what the differences are because there's probably going to be a lot more similarities than there are differences for the final. Yeah, I would imagine that there are. So again, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com uh, where you can vote in the final. You guys decide, is it 2011 or is it 2012? I'll tell you, you know, 2011, one year earlier with Robbie, you know, a, a year younger with Robbie Keane. But 2012 was, you know, they settled in. I mean, that 2012 team, first of all, people talk about them backing into the, that's not, they didn't back into an MLS Cup. They got, they caught fire in like July and August and just shot through everybody. Uh, and you had Robbie Keane, you had David Beckham, you had Landon Donovan, who had now in their second year. So, I, I, I mean, if you're saying that 2011 was the best MLS team ever, you understand then you're basically saying that Landon Donovan and David Beckham and Robbie Keane got worse in 2012 because after they played for another year together. And I just that's such a hard thing for I, I, I'm going to vote in this. I'm telling you right now, I might I'm probably going to pick 2012 as the best MLS. I picked 2014 and I got I got I got eliminated. Yeah, the other funny wrinkle in this 2012 is when they added Marcelo Sarvis. Uh, you know, to pair alongside Juninho, and we kind of see that. So he might be the swing vote. You know, if you feel like Sarvis was that missing piece that made them that much better, he could lead 2012 to the victory here. So I'm curious to see. I don't think the voting will be as close as it was in the semifinal, but uh, you know, you never know. So we'll see. Maybe you'll get out there, start campaigning for 2012. 
I, you know, now that you say it, are you going to tell me that Juninho with Marcelo Sarvas is worse than Juninho without Marcelo Sarvas? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Eric? (laughs) Wow. Wow. The whole world just flipped on its head whenever you start. Just just take a second, Eric. Just take a second. Everybody needs to take a second and really think about this. All right. I'm I'm not saying I'm campaigning, but I'm telling you the 2012 LA Galaxy team is worse than the 2011 LA Galaxy. The team, the league got better in 2012. Oh, all right. Let's see if I have any sway whatsoever. I'm going to argue against you. A younger Landon Donovan by a year, a younger Robbie Keane, a younger. Yeah, it's a year, but they're technically younger. Maybe they're just a little bit more. We saw how, you know, when the wheels fall off, they fall off hard. So that year might make a difference. But we'll pull up the stats. We'll see what the head to head looked like. By the way, Philip in the chat room, he says, uh, are, are we going to make a COG bracket for the worst Galaxy team ever? Isn't that already don't it's already that was already given an award. We already know which one that is. I was going to say, we're already in dark times. We don't need to think about darker times. This is meant to uplift, <laughs> make us happy. Nice distraction. Uh, 2017 uh, wooden spoon. It lived in my office. I know which team is the worst LA galaxy team. It's not hard. Um, that one's not hard, but I appreciate that. Philip. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, our final thing, Eric. Uh, I know because you won't shut up about it. And I know because nobody has anything else better to do um, that, uh, that you scored a goal in the FIFA pro clubs. I, and, and I know, and I know the drama that led up to this. I don't, Listen, this is how I know quarantine is getting to people, all right, is whenever there are fake accounts created for fake teams, then there's a fake account created for the fake account. Um, and and things are going crazy, and there's there's mock press conferences being held. Um, this is how I know quarantine is going too far, and that some of us need to get out and smell the fresh air just a little bit. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Cosmo SC um, and, and the goal you scored? Well, First of all, I'm going to correct you. Multiple goals were scored. You know, I just had the goal of the night that was highlighted. Uh, You know, that was there as well. Uh, So there's our logo. We even made a logo. That's where this has gone. So, uh, you know, we're on FIFA Pro Clubs. There's been a lot of Galaxy supporters, LA Galaxy, Twitter. There's my pro. Oh, man, he looks good there. Uh, (laughs) um, It's kind of taken a life of its own. People wanting to join the club. We've had, you know, 30 plus people involved. And so I made kind of earlier in the week, Uh, I made a press conference video kind of as a goof just because we're in quarantine. We're losing it a little bit. Kind of had a little bit of fun. Uh, I ended up not making the first team squad. And so that created an emergency press conference. Uh, Then, you know, the next 24 hours after that just got completely wild. We had new clubs being created, people trying to slide into my DMs, you know, sign me to their new fake clubs, multiple fake media accounts. Uh, So basically, (laughs) Cosmo SC drove uh, LA Galaxy Twitter. We had fake jersey mock-ups. All this crazy stuff. We had a, you know, my guy Bruce ended up doing a press conference where he ate a spoonful of mayonnaise. Uh, so again, wh- why? Why are we doing this? That's what quarantine has done to us. So it's just kind of, uh, you know, been a fun thing, a nice distraction. Uh, you know, scored the goal of the night. You know, I mean, broadcasting us here, a full volley from the top of the 18. So an exciting, uh, exciting time. So a big shout out to at VGN Gamer 12. That's Scott. He's been the one who's kind of the the brain. Uh, behind the operation, getting everyone involved, getting everyone playing, organizing these play dates. And then uh, who is at who is Kylo? He's the one streaming it. And then, of course, Bruce, our Manet's friend, uh, he's at BWM121. He's streaming the games for both Cosmo SC and Cosmo SC2 because there's two squads. And so it's just been a fun little project that we're working on. I know we've been challenged uh, to create a Corner of the Galaxy team versus the Riot Squadcast team. And so it's just kind of a, the wonderful world of independent galaxy 
content creators has gotten in and creating it. And all, all, it, all it tells me is that people really miss sports. We are, they're going it all in on the silliest things and I'm having fun with it. And I'm just, I'm glad yeah. people are indulging and, 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 and chiming in and, and making videos and, and playing along. Cause that's what we need right now. We need a fun little distraction. Alexi was saying it, uh, you know, he has to kind of caveat everything. We want everyone to be safe. We want to be, everyone to be healthy. And obviously that's, that's the thing, but we also, we need to distract ourselves and have a little bit of fun as well, because these are unprecedented times and whatever we can do to put some smiles on people's faces. I know people have been having fun with it. It's a little thing, right. not a, not a, not a big deal at the end of big picture, probably not going to be a, a big deal, but for now it's something that's a lot of fun to get lost in. Yeah, it's uh, it's but you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like whenever people actually have time on their hands of what you do. Uh, my thing is, I used to do is I used to I used to create podcasts. Um, I would just be like, whenever I would get too bored, I would be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a new podcast because I think we can do this. And I've been on, I don't know, there's been a bunch of them. I mean, Radio Suju was one. Uh, Josh and Zach's Audio Key Party was uh, was another one, which I think well well before its time, quite honestly, well before its time. Um, some okay, some I great look games those used up. to play them. Yeah, those I don't know. They're probably archived somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some there were some fun times and some good stuff in there. Now the fact is, I do two podcasts a week um, because of this. And and can we? Yeah, let's. I'm glad we brought this back up. Um, the the similarity is is strike. I, I I don't understand, Eric. You're a huge Joao Pedro fan. So where is the Joao Pedro okay. fro? Okay, so because <laughs> and again, if you're not watching the video podcast this is what we're it makes no we sense yeah, yeah i know because I know. we're driving you crazy so my player originally had a juan pedro inspired haircut uh but given all the drama that i was creating during the week i decided to go hollywood and go with the, the bleached cornrows uh, braids so i went with a different look to you know kind of embrace the heel gimmick uh and so that's that explains where <laughs> where the new look came from uh but with my digital pro again when you put us side by side I actually see where the where the, where this becomes problematic. So uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say it just the, <laughs> let's let's not let's never do that again, please. Let's yeah. all let's all just let that go. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm I'm glad everybody's having a good time, and and we're certainly having yeah. a good time with the podcast. Uh, still doing two podcasts a week. Uh, it was great. Um, we're getting some great guests because people aren't doing anything, quite honestly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why we're able to sort of schedule all these and, and and do all this. But we're glad that you could join us a little bit. Um, before we get out of here too much, again, I want to say thank you to Alexi Lawless. I want to thank you all of our guests who have come on. Oh, over this time um again we have some uh, some unbelievable technology sort of backing us right now in order to be able to pull some of this off and uh so far it's been working so uh we'll continue to do that a as much as we can and bring you guys the content as much as we can as well all right uh eric is there uh anything else you want to talk about well there's one thing uh and again i know you you basically wrapped up the show and here i go messing it all up uh yes. but mm -hmm. what the fit what the fit with uh kevin hart that was something that the Galaxy released today. So Kevin Hart right. has a show on YouTube. He has a channel. So if if you're into YouTube channels, I, I recommend checking it out. Uh, you know, they had some Galaxy players on there. They did some challenges. If you're into his style of comedy, it's kind of a fun little video uh, to check out. Yeah, it is a good one. All right, Eric, tell people where they can find you. We'll get on out of here. You can find me at GIS Hammer on Twitter. You could also follow me on Instagram at Galaxy Profile. That's Galaxy P R O F O U L. And you could also join our uh, FIFA Pro Club, Cosmo SC. So uh, find at Vegan Gamer. That's at VGN Gamer 12. Uh, reach out to him or myself, and we'll make sure we'll get you on the squad. We'll have as much fun as we can during these quarantine times. 
All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGUESMAN and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where we're keeping you updated with all of the tracks around the week. Uh, that's just been updated there. So you can check out the games coming up. Look for all of our voting articles as well. So that's right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, everybody. Uh, we certainly want to appreciate you uh, stopping by. We want to thank Alexi Lawless for uh, for coming on the show as well. We have uh, we hope everything was uh, was great. So uh, if you can, please uh, go give us a follow. Go give us a listen. All right. For Eric Portuguese Hammer, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye.